Good morning, radio listeners. League is the publisher of the Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show today. Also, thanking those who might be listening via the internet at W10Keel.com. Also, thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to discuss some of the many legal issues that seniors should consider now and about these important documents that that you should have now or very shortly in the future. So stay to the show for some very beneficial information for you and your loved ones. We'll be right back with more information, but now our work from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by AARP Louisiana and A Bears Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and A-Bears Tenant Country Estuary Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today are special guests is Mr. Kyle Moore, Elder Law Attorney, and Vicki Rich, a client care coordinator with the law firm of Weems, Shemp, Haynes, Shemwell, and Moore here in the Shreveport and Bossier City area. I've asked them to come on our show to discuss some senior issues that need to be considered now not in the future, but as soon as possible. And we're going to discuss those various legal documents that one should have already obtained or soon to obtain and also to update. Is that right, Kyle? A lot of people might have the forms 25, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. but they're so outdated. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've, we've visited with this subject, uh, you know, all, all through the years. And uh, if nothing else than last year has told us, uh, procrastinators be warned, right? You, you, when you say that, oh, I'll get around to it, I'll get to updating those documents, oh, those old things that we did back in the 80s and 70s when our kids were little, um, uh, we'll get around to updating those things. Or I'll, just the first time people do medical, uh, state planning documents to begin with, um, now when the world falls apart in, in COVID and uh, we can't access get to our loved ones and get access to attorneys and notaries, uh, it just made getting these documents unbelievably more difficult. So um, if nothing else has taught us the lesson that if you have been sitting on the sidelines and you've been putting off uh, taking care of some of these basic uh, documents, that when you need them is absolutely critical uh, it has taught us to go ahead and, and, and get these things done and taken care of because um, we have experienced and have plenty of clients who have come in whose loved ones end up in the hospital, have been uh, admitted to nursing homes, and uh, without doing these documents, wills, medical power of attorney, financial power of attorney, uh, living wills, or an advanced directive, um, and then want to try to uh, have those done in, in this environment where we can't get to the local. They're in the nursing homes, the restrictions about accessibility. I mean, their, their closest family members can't get access to them. Sure. Their lawyer is not going to get, you know, any special treatment when they were trying to keep this, uh, the environment safe over there. So it, um, having to work around 
and the logistics of getting just the basics uh, taken care of has proven that any time more than now that these documents are critical and to have them in place, have the people that you are dependent on to step up and take care of you, they have what they need to do what you need them to do, which is make those medical decisions, take care of those financial issues, if you become where you cannot take care of those things. So um, it has been an eye-opening uh, experience for a lot of families that weren't prepared. Um, and so uh, luckily, you know, we've, we've weathered the storm uh, and uh, we are kind of turning the corner. Uh, we see that a lot, that we have been able to get some access some uh, for, to our clients that are in the nursing homes. But uh, at this point, you know, that it is, it's just been a real eye-opening experience. Well, a thousand questions here, follow-up <laughs> questions. But, Kyle, but thank, again, thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Vicki, for coming on today. We, we went right into a question without me even <laughs> having to elaborate. Well, the, the things that I've, I have been seeing, and I, I've, I've been highly recommending your firm, your, your firm, to, to take care of a lot of our readers and Radio Low Show listeners. They're wonderful. But during this COVID scenario, I've had more seniors, boomers, and even younger people worried they need to get things done. But where do I find a COVID-compliant law firm? <laughs> and I said, right. I'm sure they are. I, I, I hate to say this. I didn't go by and visit. But I'm <laughs> sure right. that they're COVID-compliant. And tell our listeners, you can do it via Zoom or teleconference to get some of the preliminary stuff, and they can probably fax if they don't got a fax. They can scan and send it <laughs> some things if they have before they need for you need to refine it, right? That's that exactly true? right. So, it, and it is uh, just being back out here with you. I mean, me and Vicky were talking on the way here that you know the last time we were here was pre-COVID, it was. and that um, and how in those early days of March uh, when things were shutting down is. One is how are we ever going to see clients in person again? Uh, are we going to mm-hmm. see clients in person again in the indefinite future? Uh, the, we got, you know, had to get educated on the online Zoom world and uh, meeting with clients over uh, the internet. And so uh, early on in, in April, when we started to, you know, we kind of got a plan, we did have to do some family meetings uh, via the internet and uh, teleconferences, and we did not have. Uh, people into the office because we didn't know what we didn't know at that point, right? So everybody was being extra precautious with the just letting anybody into the building. Uh, and then as we've kind of protocols were established and uh, we figured out that a procedure that was safe for everybody, uh, the clients and our own staff, uh, that we did start gradually midsummer, you know, start having more and more. And uh, you know, just absolutely taking uh, CDC requirements and distancing and masking and those things. And it and it has, you know, luckily, knock on wood, that we have uh, had no incidents uh, with that and um, it has worked out so far. And so... Well, during this COVID time, was there anything, an exemption that people have to legitimately go into your office to sign or you mail you mail things and get things, is it back and forth? That I had people ask me, that. once we get everything finalized, how do we get it, make it legitimate, right? Right. So that has been the big, that was the big problem, okay? And so the, the governor uh, tried to 
in the early days um, figure out a mechanism for online notary so that you did not have to be physically really? present. Really? I know that one. Okay. With the notary. Um, unfortunately, unlike some of our uh, uh, neighboring states, Louisiana's uh, notary law was still pretty hard to to um, get over. So most of the clients, again, because they didn't have access, they you know whether or not they had access to technology and the witnesses all being able to view, see the signatures and getting those documents signed by watching the uh, the uh, client sign the documents. It just really stopped a lot of that legal signing actual legal paper for a time period until we could get you know uh, access or people could get to a notary and felt more comfortable with that. We had a time period you just you were we were in a standstill as to getting legal documents taken care of, and so um, those people who did not have those documents in place were stuck. You know, I mean, and they were in possible that, jeopardy. Yeah, and that. Uh, you know, it. Everybody, you know, banks, the the hospitals, they all had to make certain. You know, we were all kind of just going with the flow at that point and trying to figure things out. So, um, at that point, it just you didn't have those good quality documents, and it was hard to get them. So, um, that has you know, again, in the last six months, we've gotten a lot better with that because again, you know, as people started feeling, getting out in the public and interacting, so did the, the their comfort level with going and to the, and, the, and, and supposedly the CDC guidelines in certain areas or in states, right? right. But, okay, here's a, another follow-up question. Not about, so let's say a deceased person passes away, which we had, you know, a number of people died during this COVID pandemic died. I had one individual uh, was concerned you know, they barely buried the mother, and then they're doing their 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 probate, mm -hmm. which was delayed. And so they were concerned. How does everything keep going, even though they they may have an executor? Things going after the loved one dies, mm -hmm. and exactly they they couldn't pro right. they couldn't complete the um, the will. That's right. right. That's right. And so. Um, Again, that in some of those families in those situations, it did become uh, very problematic in that you couldn't get orders issued, you couldn't okay. get those wills probated, um, and get, if you didn't have a uh, signer on an account or you didn't have that power of attorney to continue to help uh, the surviving spouse or the parent, then again, we were in a little fluctuation there, time period where we just was, couldn't do anything. Uh, but it, it's not that now. I'm going to tell my listeners. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right now, it's almost back to normal. But there's still precautions. That's right. 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 And, and, and again, this is you know just more of a you know just kind of where where we've come, and so that the whole lesson again is just to be prepared and try to take care of these things. And uh, I think everybody has seen that the importance of having this stuff in place. Is so. there a time deadline to probate a will? Uh, in Louisiana, that generally, sometimes if uh, the estate plan has worked uh, like we have uh, intended, then there may be a time where we don't actually have to probate the will. So in certain circumstances, the probating of the will is to simply transfer the legal transfer of the assets from mm -hmm. the decedent's estate to the rightful heirs as they are listed in the will and or the Louisiana law. So with the probating of the wills, that if the assets have ever transferred through a beneficiary designation or through uh, some divided ownership, like uh, we have 
uh, usufruct laws in Louisiana, and so that terminated death. So sometimes, you know, we may not even have to probate the will, um, but in those cases that you do, is it's more driven by the assets themselves, and getting that's generally what what drives that time period um, to have to bring that out. But if a will is probated, you can still, with the consent of the heirs, uh, that you can do it up to 30 years later. 30 years. Whoa. Yeah. So my guesstimation, there are a lot of estates that have not been finalized out <laughs> there during this uh, since March of last year. I, uh, my guesstimation. I right. bet there's several that haven't been, haven't thought about it. Sure. That was like a delay That's scenario. Exactly right. that, that it's, it just, it's sad. But, yes. uh, but it, and generally the, you, it was either twofold is that one of them that they had gotten to a spot where they had already um, – kind of got control of some assets, and so it wasn't time-sensitive. But in those cases where um, we were really needing, the, the family was needing access to the property to do further long-term care planning or for whatever reason, um, we did try to get those those critical ones pushed through and taken care of. But a lot of people just said, look, I'm just not going to do anything for, for this year and just kind of sat on the sidelines and said, look, I, until this stuff kind of figures itself out we're just going to just stay on the sidelines and not do anything so we had a lot of clients that just they were okay with the control and finances and so it wasn't time sensitive that they get it done and just said look i'll, I'll call you in 2021 and so hopefully we get a better idea to wrap this up so okay so i want to in our in our this segment here i want to emphasize and do your do your best to help me advocate because i still feel i haven't done the seminars like i used to mm -hmm. in 2020 but I, I would poll the audience right. how many people have wills or not mm -hmm. and you know it was striking in night in 2019 2020 when i asked in less than half the room yeah. i don't know if they're lying to me <laughs> right. uh you know, but and, and, and what how was, few people mm -hmm. had a will or even concern, and then the, the gentlemen or the ladies would raise their hands and said, "I don't need one." And almost all these people, when they gave me their scenario, Kyle, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but then they gave me when I asked a follow-up question, "Do you do you own house? Oh yeah, I own two houses. <laughs> I own property in Texas. I mean, I'm thinking, and you have no will, sir?" He says, "Well, I don't think I need one." I said, well, you need to contact a, a good attorney to check that out. Don't don't just make these assumptions here. Exactly. Or the mother would say, my kids will handle it. I've got four kids. They'll just figure out how to do it. When I pass away, I'm the last one. My hubby died four years ago. Big deal. You know, they'll they'll take care. So explain the the rational reasoning why it's important to do it now than to wait two minutes before the person's going to die. Hopefully, they get a will done quickly, which they probably can't. And I and I tell people all the time is that your situation can you know can be completely straightforward by the book it could be the easiest but spend a few minutes with a, a, a an attorney who's who knows this area to advise you because you don't know what you don't know you don't know the traps you don't know the little things that are out there that could become very big problems once you're going. So I always advocate just go get some good advice. And in your situation, it may be the simplest and it may not need to do, make any changes. But if you may learn something that's very critical to you and, and it was a huge problem that you avoided in leaving a, that problem to your kids to figure out. So. And, and the important thing you told us in the last meeting, which I hopefully resonated, is 
if you have a lot of heirs and you have a lot of bequests and you have a lot of individuals involved in your family that you feel that at your death they're going to be happy campers and everybody's going to divide it, they should think twice about that, right? Absolutely. Family members change upon a death of a loved one. Absolutely. I've seen it personally happen. And I'm, yeah. I know you probably have <laughs> seen, you could write that, a book We could have that. a whole show just on those stories for sure, but yes, absolutely. It, it is, don't, don't kick that problem down to the neck, to the heirs, because again, there's so much uh, going on at the time when you lose a loved one, all the emotion, all of the stress about that, and to put financial estate planning problems on top of that is, is just adding gas to the fire. I know you can tell the story. i got to tell Ruben's over there screaming. <laughs> I know one case. I uh, hope you don't know the person. This individual gentleman passed away. He had two loving sons. And the sons, when he died, didn't say where his devoted, very expensive heirloom shotgun who's going to be given to which son mm-hmm. they end up filing suit against each other <laughs> over the over the yes. over the shotgun yep. which I'm sure their father in heaven would probably say why right. why he, I mean you know it happens sometimes and that's so sad the, the brothers don't things. talk to each that's other right. I, I know mm-hmm. them they that's don't bad. talk to each other yeah. Yeah. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Key. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, probably presented by AERP Louisiana and Everest Town and Country Edge Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is Kyle Moore, an elder law attorney, and Vicki Retsch, who is the client care coordinator with the firm of Weems, Shemp, Haynes, Shemwell, and more. They're discussing some senior issues uh, regarding legal documents and other information that you should have now or definitely in the near future. So thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Vicki, for joining us today. Again, that last segment, I, we could have gone on for three hours on that one. But uh, we, we, so, so the, if y'all missed the last segment, everyone, it's important that you have a valid and up-to-date will. To explain to them up-to-date. If it's 1980, that's not an up-to-date will. Right. It's I mean, 40 not, years ago. Not how many only years do you ago? have law changes, but over that time period, your family looks different. You know, I have a lot of people who, uh, when they had minor children, were doing one type of planning those kids are now grown and having children of their own and a lot of those provisions are just out of date and really don't fit their family needs at that point so yes over time like we hope is that there they are times specific you know you need the state plan to work a certain way when you're younger and you need it to work a different way when you get older because again just the life dynamic changes so okay here's we, a legal question yep. so if somebody has a 1980 will um, gary's going to love these because these are true <laughs> and there's a bequest in there i'm going to give away my 1987 corvette stingray to to my son mm-hmm. but in 2021 the person passes away and the bequest is there what happens well, again, if it's if not we, there, the Corvette's not there. That's right. If if the if the asset is no longer part of the estate, then it's just a it's a lapsed legacy. So okay. it's just it's just not that you disposed of those assets before. But uh, it requires pay. a little bit more time that's and effort right. on somebody to delete that item and et cetera, right? That's right. So in in something like that, in uh, I oftentimes uh, that's why I like to have some when you have a sentimental type. Uh, piece of uh, property or asset 
like the guns, like dad's golf clubs, like mom's best favorite ring or necklace or things like that. I oftentimes have them write a note and have a handwritten codicil to the will that specifically lays out who's to get those items. And if they choose to give that item during their lifetime, Mm -hmm. then they go back to the list and they can then edit the list without having to go back in and update the entire will for something that they wanted to give away for Christmas one year because they wanted to pass it down in the family. Well, we don't want to have to call a lawyer because they gave the ring to the granddaughter at her wedding. You can just go to your list and update says I gave it to her. And then me, you know, whoever the executor chooses to be, then they see that and they, they're not looking for this or they know that it's already been taken care of during Excellent. a lifetime. So um, keeping update uh, updated records so that uh, that whoever your executor is has a current, the most current information about the property is always hugely helpful because we spend a lot of time searching for things because the executor who is not educated about your assets or you've kept your assets very close to the vest and didn't share <laughs> a lot of that financial information or where your money was because we well, all know those people who, oh, you know, definitely. they don't, you know, They'll figure it out after I'm gone, but I'm not telling them anything about where my money is. Or where my property is located. <laughs> exactly. They can have property all over the United States, so they won't know until they die. And that's right. So uh, so oftentimes, you know, we always encourage that family communication. So especially if you have a uh, child who you expect to be the executor and you have them named in the will, reach out to them and talk to them about what you want and how you want things to be handled. Uh, oftentimes we always advocate and talk about this all the time is that communication. If you've named them and you trust them to be the executor in your will, you need to have a conversation with them while you're here so that they can understand what you expect of them and what they're what you're asking them to do and not just get the phone call from the lawyer and says, well, you know, Mom said you're the one who's going to do this, so <laughs> meet me at my office next week. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? So, um we do oftentimes uh, have to make those phone calls, and then you know the kids show up with uh, a grocery bag full of documents that they were able to, you know, gather up in the wherever the filing system, mom's filing system on the dining table, and go through documents. And uh, you know, I always laugh that Vicky spends you know hours with people going through and digging through this statement, open this envelope. Oh, what is this? Here's a canceled check from eight months ago that you know mom never cashed. And, so there's a treasure trove of things you can find in, in people's mail that they just start just throwing on the table. True, and, that's true. you know, we all do some of that uh, procrastination. But, and a lot of people are a lot more organized than others. But if nothing else, when you do, when you're sitting down like tax time, you know, mm-hmm. that's always a good time because you're looking at financial information. You're getting these uh, tax documents in the mail. Go back through and make sure your list is up to date and have those things together. And then you can just put it in the drawer again for another year. But having that review process or just kind of having that discussion is always beneficial. Not only for you, but, you know, it's absolutely going to be a gift to the people, your loved ones and, and handling your estate. And, and, again, that they don't have to go through and finding things. It runs a lot smoother it is an easier transition, and it's a it's a really great gift that parents can leave 
their children when they when they have their self in the way. So a will is a definitely important document, but I want you to talk briefly about the two important others: the medical power attorney and administrative power attorney. Why why are those so important that, that an individual needs to have these in place? Right. So oftentimes, who who your uh, spokesperson, your 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 responsible person in your life? that if you become unable to make medical decisions for yourself and direct your health care, is that that person that you want to be there, talking to the doctors, making those decisions. And if you have multiple children, then the doctors don't know who to look to, okay? Do, what right does a sister have to tell brother? And it can become a – because everybody's going to have their own opinion about how things are supposed – mom's care is supposed to happen – but it's more important of who you want to handle your medical decision-making and put them in the document so that you don't have multiple people trying to uh, interact and direct that health care because it can become a, a, a logistical nightmare at that point because the doctor doesn't know what to do. They, they're getting all these different people trying to uh, give their opinion, and oftentimes they throw up their hands and they just say, one of you come back with the with the power of attorney, or give me a judge order that you are in charge of mom's care. Now those are extreme circumstances because again that takes the the loved one, the parent, to be incapacitated and unable to make their care. But it does happen. It, it is it is that's exactly because they have to have somebody. The hospital and the doctors have to have somebody to authorize treatment and to sign and to. Uh, allow them to go forward with whatever the plan is. And if you have multiple family members who would all have input, then you delineating between them is, is ever more important. And um, generally, there's always some doers in the family. I'll call them the, the doers and the consenters, right? The, <laughs> they, they, oh, you know, sister's going to do that. She's, she loves doing that. She's got all the energy in the world. She's going to all I want, she'll call me and let me know if I need to do anything. You know, that it can be as easy as that. Now you have sometimes you have two strong-willed, strong-headed uh, children that you know both think they should be in charge, and again, you know that can have its own problems. But uh, you know, it's your care, it's your body, it's your what you want, and having those decisions and having again the discussions with the person that you expect to to do those roles are ever more important in those situations. So tell our listeners, you briefly touched it, without having that, let's say you were in this COVID time, you were ventilator, became ventilator dependent, mm -hmm. are you are you not able to make a decision yes or no regarding it? Most of the times you're under ventilator, I don't think you are. Right, right. And, and that's exactly right, is that if you're not, then what do they do? You know, so they're, they're first... You know, as I understand that medical professionals are going to stabilize you, right? I mean, they're going to uh -huh. they're going to stop that part of it, and then from there, who do they look to? And our laws provide uh, some guidance in that. If you don't have medical power of attorney in place, then there are the laws out there that that give the hospitals direction as to the people who are legally responsible, and they can take guidance. But when children are on the same level then if you have multiple, then that's generally where it comes to be an issue is if all three of them or do you have to have majority, unanimous consent, what if somebody agrees to this part and doesn't agree? So it can become very problematic. 
here's the here's the thing that I think ninety percent of seniors and boomers and even young people don't understand is I've had more when I talk about powers of attorney, everybody says I have it, no problem. My my son has the power of attorney. He does all my bills. He does all my payments. And in case I can't do it, he has the power to do it. So explain to them, having that doesn't mean you automatically have the medical. Correct? That's, that's right. And and we unfortunately that uh, when children uh, get into a, uh, a time crunch or they are not sure what to do, they oftentimes go to the internet. <laughs> and they start downloading forms from these websites who has who knows what language and where they came from. Uh, and unfortunately, we have to advise them that what they've done is nothing at all. I mean, they have the document that they have gotten a signature on is sometimes useless because it doesn't meet Louisiana standards. It doesn't have the necessary language in it. It wasn't executed properly. So, um, again, that... Just thinking that you have, uh, oh, I got something here. It says it's a power of attorney. It covers everything versus, well, I got this off the Internet. It's supposed to be for medical, but it also says something about financial. I mean, again, you need to get good advice. You need to make sure the documents that you have are from a professional that looked at them and knows and can advise you as to what you need because there are things in there that make a difference. And again, just some, simply saying I can have some generic form that's going to work for every situation is is not that's not good safe planning. So you need to you need to take if it's again it's important enough to you you need to spend some time get educated about it and then make some good decisions about what documents you need. One more quick mm-hmm. one more quick question. Uh, so people don't understand, they think they have a medical power of attorney, and it's the same thing of them having their own living will. That's not the case. Right. Two different, completely docu- two di- completely different documents intended to do two different things. What we call a living will, and, and oftentimes is an advanced directive, medical directive, that j- takes the end-of-life measures. Once you become uh, irreversible, and you reach a state that medical condition, like a long, a comatose, and not not the I, I warn people not to get caught up like in the Lifetime movie where you're just in this <laughs> lingering coma for 30 years and you wake up all of a sudden. Medical doctors, two of which have examined you, and they've told the you know your medical power of attorney that there is nothing else to do. It's irreversible. You will never come out of this type of uh, comatose state. At that point, you then can elect what measures that you want for your body. Would you like to continue to get hydration and nutrition through feeding tubes, IV fluids that are life-sustaining measures, but they're not curative, but they will sustain life. And so um, those are personal decisions that need to be addressed, and you need to decide what to do for your body. Now, your power of attorney is to look at your directive and follow your instructions. But the power of attorney is the one who implements the plan. Your advanced directive or your living will instructs. They tell the medical uh, power of attorney, they tell the doctors what your wishes are. So they do two different, and they work together, but they cover two different uh, areas. Good point. 
Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana Neighbors, Bears, Country Country Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show is Vicki Vicky Rich and Kyle Moore with the law firm of Wim Shimp, Haynes, Shimwell, and more. And they've been giving some great information about senior issues and planning uh, that you should have those documents in place, up to date. And uh, before we get off the air here, we have going a few minutes left in this segment, is do call them, 318-222-2100. That's 318-222-2100. And you can also make an appointment to go by their offices. They're accepting clients to come to the office. Is that right? That's right. And the address is? 912 Kings Highway, Shreveport, 71104, yes. right near St. Mark's Cathedral School. Yeah. So, again, 222-2100. You can also see their ad in the Best of Times magazine as well. And you probably heard a commercial here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. So let's let's talk about people, individuals, mom and dad that might want to apply for Medicaid uh, assistance, being in the nursing home care, mm-hmm. needing assistance, mm-hmm. long-term care needs. Okay, um, I think people have been so frozen by how difficult it is to do things that they're afraid to put their person in a nursing home or assisted living. Um, but it's not completely true. There are so many ways that we can access information via email, the Internet, faxing, phone calling. You don't have to have face-to-face contact to process applications and to get this information. So it's just really important to don't be frozen in time by thinking, oh, I can't put mom in a nursing home until I have all this stuff done up, up front, okay? It's always best to just give us a call. So we can send somebody a questionnaire to find out, you know, what information do they have? How can they access that? Can we get them the tool of the power of attorney? We can have grandma, you know, pull up in the parking lot. We can have the witnesses and notary go outside and watch her sign the document in her car. She doesn't have to come, awesome. you know, into our building and navigate steps or, you know, be worried about social distancing. We can do that in the parking lot because we're blessed with good weather in Louisiana. <laughs> anyway, but um, we can get a lot of things done by the phone and fax and electronic um, abilities, but we can still send things up to Department of Veterans Affairs to keep p- get people on the aid and attendance pension which for is, in-home uh, which care. Which is a great, a great mm-hmm. service, especially if you or your loved one have been in part mm-hmm. of the military, right? Absolutely, absolutely. A and veteran didn't have to have a combat um, illness or disability it, just for serving 90 consecutive days during an active war period. And there are many people out there who don't know they have that benefit. Absolutely. And they have. It's, it, it applies also, if I recall, to the, to the spouse, even though the spouse didn't serve. Absolutely. A widow can receive up to $1,200 a month in aid and attendance pension if she needs some care like assisted living or someone to come in the home and help her bathing and dressing and medication management. So so what about Medicaid in the state of Louisiana? Is, is it still being able to process those? Absolutely. The Medicaid workers are still there. Again, everything, a lot of things are electronic. It's been a little difficult sometimes for people uh, to get into a bank to get financial records if they didn't have that power of attorney from their parents, but we can we can help them access that. And actually, CMS has loosened up some regulations so that Medicaid can approve a an applicant um, quicker and and get them on Medicaid Good in the news. nursing home. So there has been things with Louisiana government and nationally that have allowed them to access. And because the process might take a little while, it's better to start now. Hopefully everything will start opening up in the next few months. Right. It's better to start the process now if they think they determine if they might qualify. Yeah, it's been a rude awakening the pandemic has. So like our advice to people is act now, give us a call, find out what we can do remotely and driving up in our parking lot, 
but also let's, before we go out and, um, and we're completely done with the pandemic, let's take the time to look at our records, get those things together for our kids and for whoever's going to take care of us. Let's be organized, get our records together, get our bank statements together so they know what we have. Because if we become ill very quickly, they need to know what finances they have to take care of you. And Vicki, tell our listeners out there, they don't have to have that guilt complex. I've had individuals tell me, I don't want to apply for these benefits. It's, you, it's not the detriment of yourself or your family if you apply for them. It's not, it's... Absolutely. There, there's some guilt yeah. complex out there. I've there seen is. individuals that don't yeah. want to apply for these, even though they could qualify. They just don't want to for, for pride purposes or et cetera. Right. They, um, they don't realize that the veteran's pension is actually something that the veteran earned while he was in service. Any veteran could apply for this once they are financially and medically eligible, okay, that in the first place. And then as far as for Medicaid, Medicaid is basically long-term care insurance for the middle class. So if, if you can't afford long-term care insurance and you hadn't gotten that back in the years when you were raising your kids and couldn't afford it, Medicaid is long-term care insurance for the middle class. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for educating us today. I always learn something new. I know my listeners out there are learning a lot of things new today. Do give them a call, 318-222-2100. Again, 318-222-2100. Thank you for visiting us today and giving us an update about uh, what can be help, how you can help seniors and boomers throughout the particular area. Thank you again for joining us our show today. Please thank our sponsors and advertisers who support our show and our magazine. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of the magazine, The Best of Times. God May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Galigas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 1017 FM and 710 Kiel.